Hi, I'm Scott Lamort from Itasca Bank and Trust Company, your local bank with big shoulders. Together, we've been shaping the future since 1948, but we're just getting started. We take pride that businesses and individuals like you know us for our high level of customer service, financial strength, and up-to-date technology. What we really want to be known for is our connection to the community. Itasca Bank and Trust Company may have a big bank ability, but we know what matters most, people. Join us as we invite members of the community to the table and have conversations as neighbors. Welcome to the Itasca Bank and Trust Company's Insights Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to give you insights into the work we do with our customers and the communities we serve as we strive to become Chicagoland's best community bank. My guests for today are Jack Menching, Chairman of the Bank, and Jim Menching, President. Jack and Jim, welcome to the Insights Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So I'd like to get things started and just have everyone learn a little bit about both of you. So, Jack, would you mind going first? Sure. I'm uh, basically have been my whole life in Itasca. Uh, I um, joined the bank in 1977. Uh, I'm still chairman today, although I don't maintain an office uh, or anything at the bank anymore. I do a lot of work by phone. Um, I went to school in Itasca. I went to grade school, uh, which was called North School at that time. I did fifth grade at Franzen School, and then I went back to uh, Peacock Junior High for uh, seventh and eighth grade. I went to Lake Park High School. I went to college at a small school in Michigan, Hillsdale College, and I got a law degree at Tulane uh, School of Law down in uh, New Orleans. Tell us a little bit about your family, Jack. Uh, my family, I've got uh, my wife. Uh, we've been married for uh, 47 years, and we have two daughters, um, and we've got uh, three grandchildren. Two of the grandchildren live in Itasca, and one of the, our granddaughter lives in Elmhurst. Tell us about the first job you ever had, Jack. Uh, the first job that I ever had was uh, uh, probably working in the cafeteria at uh, college. And uh, that's actually where I met my wife. Oh, wow. Can you remember what was the make, model, and color of your first car? My first car was a dark green. It was a 1971 Porsche 914. Nice car. Thanks. <laughs> okay, Jim, so your turn. Where'd you grow up? So I grew up the same place Jack did, um, in Itasca. Good. Um, yeah, a lot of the facts are the same, but uh, I'm Jack's significantly younger brother. Um, I'm 10 years younger than Jack. We do have an older brother who's two years older than Jack, um, not involved in banking. But uh, so I grew up, went to Franzen School, named after Elmer Franzen, who I'm sure we're going to talk about later. Um, I went to Itasca Middle, I'm sorry, Itasca Middle School, which became Peacock Junior High, and uh, Lake Park High School. Went to college in Ripon College in Wisconsin and got my MBA at Washington University in St. Louis. Um, family? Family. I have uh, a wife that I met in, at Lake Park High School, and uh, we have two daughters, twin daughters. They're 27 and uh, uh, been, been lived in Bloomingdale, Roselle, and Itasca my, our, my whole life. And your first job? Uh, my first job was at a resort up in Michigan. Um, I was a pots and pans guy. So nice. I graduated to assistant cook and then later decided that it was easier to not do so much, so I became a dishwasher. <laughs> Can you remember your first car? Yeah, I don't remember the year. It's probably 1978 Maroon Dodge Omni. So I bet you lost a lot of races to Jack's Porsche. Yeah, well, <laughs> Jack's Porsche was old by then. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. For bonus points, ready? What's your favorite hobby? Fishing. Fly? Um, mostly fly fishing, but I'll do any type of fishing. I do king salmon fishing, uh, fly fishing every year, and I love to take... Uh, uh, trips anywhere in the world if I can to uh, do different types of fishing. Just for my own curiosity, the most interesting place you've ever fished? Uh, Mongolia. Wow. Uh, that was probably 20 years ago, and I caught a fish called a taimen. It was about a 60-inch, uh, uh, 50-pound taimen. 
Can't get one of those in the chain of lakes either. No, no. <laughs> All right, Jim, I'm going to give you bonus points too. Your hobby? Uh, probably if it if it involves a ski, I'm on it. I got was snow skiing last weekend, okay. cross country skiing if there's ski water. But truly, my passion is probably water skiing. Um, ended up on a show ski water ski team in Wisconsin for seven years with my family. Wow. Uh, some some of the more fun years of our lives. Well, I bet. So we're going into Itasca Bank and Trust's 75th anniversary year in 2023. But the story of your family's involvement in the local banking community predates the 1948 start of Itasca Bank and Trust. So can someone give me and the audience uh, the back history prior to 1948 with your family and local banking? Sure, I'll, I'll take that one. Uh, the, the Franzen family came over from Germany and in um, uh, 1935, they came to Chicago. And then in about 1948, they came to uh, Church Road in Bensonville. In um, 1890, they had their first bank. It was called the Franzen Brothers Bank. Um, I don't know if, I, I know our grand, great-grandfather, H.H. Franzen, Herman Henry Franzen, was involved in that bank. I don't know if there was another brother or not, but it was called the Franzen Brother Bank. Um, that lasted for a little while. That's way before all the FDIC and all that type of uh, type of stuff. Um, in 1902, um, Herman Henry Franzen started Rose, what was then Roselle State Bank. Uh, today, it's part of uh, BMO Harris. Um, and in about 1918, I think it was. Um, they started Itasca State Bank, which was not our bank. Um, uh, the one, our grandfather, Elmer Franzen, worked at the Roselle State Bank, and his brother, Art, uh, Ray Franzen, worked at the Itasca State Bank. In 1948, um, Ray Franzen decided to move, the, move Itasca State Bank to Bensonville because their customer base was east of uh, Itasca and it was a bigger town, the railroad town. Uh, and Elmer Franzen, who, uh, they both were living in Itasca, but Elmer Franzen said, no, we need a bank in Itasca. So he opened up the Itasca State Bank. He added a the to the name. Uh, uh, same day, uh, or the next day, they moved all the assets of the, uh, of the bank down Irving Park in a big caravan with police cars and uh, took furniture, they took the vault boxes, they took the cash. Uh, took them down to Bensonville, and then the next day, um, the Itasca State Bank started in the same building that was uh, the bank that had moved. Um, so that's why our bank is only 75 years old, but there was a bank in Itasca, uh, actually a Franzen Bank, since 1902. Must have been quite a parade moving a bank from one town to another I, down the road. I can't imagine what that looked like. Police escort. Police For escort. Sure, I'm, sure. I'm sure there was uh, a lot of police cars uh, at that time escorting uh, them. So at that time, was Wooddale a town yet? Or did we just... I'm sure over? Wooddale was a town, but so I, there the was not a went, bank. There the was bank not went a from Itasca to Bensonville and went Wooddale. right through Wooddale. So they all got to see the parade, but they got no bank out of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, um, the Roselle State Bank, uh, was ownership was transferred over to... Um, uh, Eugene Ernsting back in the early 80s, and then he later sold that to Harris uh, Harris Trust, I think in the mid to later 80s uh, at, at that time. Um, the Bensonville Bank, uh, I'm not sure when that was sold, but that was probably in the 70s maybe, 60s or 70s. Uh, there was another bank, there was another brother, Franzen brother, Art Franzen, and he had, uh, I think it was First National Bank of Arlington Heights, and I think that got sold in about the 60s. So there were a number of, of banks uh, that were tied in with the Franzen family. So but Itasca is the only one that's left. So your family's literally been involved in community-style banking since the 1800s? Uh, since 1890, yes. yes. So in 1926, something very interesting happened locally at one of those banks and it's become kind of a would you say famous story in, in our lore? In, in we keep getting asked about it. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't exactly 
it was Itasca State Bank, not the Itasca State Bank, but uh, so, and that was, the bank was robbed by Bye. Babyface Nelson. So, yeah, so I don't remember that exactly. You weren't, so you weren't there I did a little happened. research on it, um, and I actually, I did some YouTube uh, research on it la uh, earlier, and because uh, I keep ask, getting asked the story. So he... Uh, I thought it was interesting, Babyface Nelson was in and out of the St. Charles Youth Correctional Institution three times. He's from Chicago. Um, he, When he got out, he went into stealing jewelry from um, uh, people's rich people's houses in Chicago. And after the third time, he had trouble fencing the jewelry because it's just hard. So he's like, I'm not ever doing that again. I'm just going to steal money. So we just cut out the middleman and went right. right to cash. So he immediately found uh, Itasca State Bank, uh, and he picked that out because it was uh, a new building and it opened just recently. So they thought the bank must have a lot of money. So why not, why not rob that bank? Uh, so they had just erected a $45,000 building at that point. So uh, it's a, uh, on the morning... H.H. Franzen, which we talked about, the, the bank's leader had gone to the post office to get the mail. His son Ray was behind the counter when the man strolled up to cash a cashier's check. He ordered Ray and an, another employee down on the floor and waved Babyface Nelson in. Um, Babyface Nelson moved them to a back room, and uh, they removed $7,500 in cash and $10,000 in traveler's checks. They missed the reserve money. I don't know how much that was, but the, so they, they left some money on the table there. They pushed him into the vault, slammed the door, and tried to get away, or got away. And uh, the vault door didn't lock, so um, they were able to escape right away and get out without fear of suffocation and that. Um, so a few months later, they captured the criminal and charged him with a series of crime, including the Itasca heist. He went, next he robbed the Plainfield Bank, and there was, they didn't get any money there, and then they robbed the Hillside Bank. Um, and then he got caught. And uh, he, after that, he was finally killed in Barrington in 1934. But he, he was in and out of the penitentiary, escaped, all that kind of good stuff. And uh, Ray actually was testified in court against him, which wow. I found was interesting and identified him. And then they called on him again back in 1934 to identify his body in the morgue because wow. as the teller, he had a good recollection of his face. Well, I imagine it couldn't have been too hard to point out which one had the baby face, right? Right. That's right, yeah. So <laughs> the video that I watched said that he he hated that, and he, he didn't like that name at all. Oh, wow. And he couldn't escape it his whole life, and it was kind of the chip on his shoulder. So wow. It's an amazing story, though, and it's in this day and age hard to fathom like what that must have been like, putting the vault in the back. and yeah, The History Channel did a documentary on Babyface Nelson, and they did come into Itasca Bank and filmed. Oh wow! It was a different. It was a newer building, mm -hmm. but they did some filming wow. uh, for that. So the bank was able to survive Babyface Nelson, and then right around that time, shortly thereafter, a few years is the Great Depression in '29, and the family's bank survived the depression. As best you have heard the stories. Oh, absolutely! They survived the uh, depression. Um, there were two friends and banks at that time, the Roselle State and the Itasca State Bank. Or the, I, sorry, Itasca State Bank. Uh, gets confusing. Yeah. Um, they were closed for the National Bank holiday, and those two banks and one other bank were the first ones to reopen in DuPage County after the bank holiday was, was over. So there were three banks that reopened wow. in a couple of days, and the Franzens had two of those banks, and That's they continued... Amazing. Continued on. That's great. Thankfully, we're still here then. Yeah. Yep. So, do either of you have a sense, or were you told stories of, or anything from your family lineage about what things were like in '48 when Itasca Bank, as we know it, opened? So, I'm sure we. I know we heard stories from our parents about when they were growing up and things. So, once again, I did a little research. Of course. Um, but it's amazing to me when I did this how many of those things I, I recognized or remembered or heard the stories. So really what was different, Itasca is just a, a nice suburb now sure. with a, a very small downtown. Um, but there were, 
it was it was a small town. It was a self-sufficient town. There was you know there was a lumber yard, a gas station, a post office, a hardware store, Bungie Hardware Store. Um, 1946, the Ben's Place, which is now Tree Guys oh, Tree Restaurant. Oh, Tree Guys Pizza, for yeah. sure. That was started by Ben Eibling, who later became one of the first uh, directors of the bank. Nice. And uh, Jack, we were preparing, and Jack said he, he was one of the best insights of, uh, not insights, but judges of character when we were looking at loans on the board, because... He said, knew everyone in town bar. and yeah. <laughs> heard all the her, well, heard all hear the all the stories uh-huh. at the uh, yeah. at the bar and uh, learned a lot about people. So, do we know how many employees there were when the bank opened in '48? There were four. Four. So, do we get a how, what was the division of labor? You guess back then was there like two tellers or everyone's either a teller or a vice president there. Um, I'm sure they were all tellers if they right. needed them, but yeah, the the four employees were. Um, um, Art Binabase, uh, who came over from Roselle State Bank, which was one of the uh, Franza banks. Um, Viola Voltz, who also came over from Roselle Bank. Uh, uh, Esther, uh, I think it's called Reha, is her her last name. And then uh, Elmer Franzen. Um, I, I'm sure they all did a little bit of, of right. everything uh, that first year. And I think by the end of the year, because it started in January, I think in the by the end of the year it had gotten up to six six employees. Wow! Because when the bank moved to Bensonville, Itasca, which opened the next morning, kept a quarter of the deposits or one million dollars. Wow! At that point, so three million went with the bank going down to Bensonville. So there were there were customers right Very cool. away. So in 1949, Glenn Menching starts his career at the bank. So who wants to tell us about Glenn Menching? Okay. I got to work with, with our dad. Uh, Jim did not. Uh, Jack is 10 years older than I am. So <laughs> it's a good thing you don't like to point that out. about yeah. this than I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah uh, uh, Glenn Menching, who uh, grew up in Itasca, his family ran, ran the uh, general store in town, the uh, dry goods store. Um, he went to school there. Uh, he went to went into World War II, um, and when he came out, he went to Lake Forest College. Uh, he went to North Park for two years, and then went to Lake Forest College. Uh, our mother, uh, who was Audrey Franzen at that point, uh, she was also at Lake Forest College. There may have been some maneuvering to get them both at the same <laughs> at the same college. They married in 1948, uh, and then they came back to Itasca, um, and Glenn came to work at the bank. Uh, and then in 1955, he became president of the bank. Um, and Elmer Franzen uh, had a pretty massive stroke right when the bank opened, right wow. almost... Uh, Right at the same time, and he was uh, took him a long time to recover, and he really went to he just became a director at that point. He didn't uh, uh, go into work uh, on a consistent basis at that point. But he lived for uh, he lived till seventy nine, I think it was. Mm-hmm. So he lived for a long time, but his work got cut back significantly. Well, so. In I believe 1967, the bank moved to its current location. Is that am I accurate there on Irving Park Road? Uh, 68, I think. Okay. Yeah, I think it's 68. It was started in it 67. Says 68 on the. Yeah. Okay. On the, yes. So we moved to where we are now. Um, somewhere along the way, you added space to that building, correct? It, it didn't start out sure. the way it is yeah. now. So how did that play out? We just remodeled the whole building, so I'm I'm up on this. <laughs> the. Uh, so the bank was growing quickly, and if you if you think about the 70s and 80s, everybody was using cash. There was no direct deposit, so everybody uh, came to the bank at, at least on a weekly basis to cash their paycheck and get cash for the week and uh, make deposits. Um, so they added a vault. Um, so there was two 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 parts that were added at the same time to the back of the building. In one area was a large vault uh, for storage, secure storage and uh, cash and safe deposit boxes. And the other side was additional office space um, 
were there's about four or five offices in that area that were added. Okay, well that makes sense to me. So somewhere along the way, as the bank grows in size and physically grows in building size, at some point we become a bank and trust. So when was the trust department added to the bank? The trust department was added um, uh, officially January 1st, 1978. Um, the bank wanted to become a more of a full service bank. The bank in Roselle, Roselle State Bank, which was we considered a sister bank, but yet they were we competed. Mm -hmm. uh, we were competitors. Um, they had had a trust department. So when I came to the bank, which was in 1977, uh, my job was to start the trust department. And so the, the bank was looking to start a trust department, or you needed a job when you got out of school? I, I think it was to give me a job. <laughs> yeah. I think it was to give me a job. Okay. Um, no, I think it was for excellent qualifications. That's what it was. Um, and I actually, actually went up to... Uh, Roselle State Bank and worked up there for uh, two months and they trained me how to be a trust officer and set up a uh, trust department. Russ Shockey uh, worked with me for, for many years um, uh, or, uh, on that. So um, we opened in 1978, made it more of a full service uh, and we put the trust into the name. So nothing at the bank changed except the adding of the trust department. So who wants to tell me about some of the key employees at the bank over the years? Because I'm sure there have been many who come to your mind, right? Lots. Yes. So I um, made a list so I don't forget them. Um, <laughs> don't want to leave anybody out, right? <laughs> right. So um, besides, there were five presidents of the bank, Elmer Franzen, um, uh, Glenn Menching, Art Binabase was the next president. So I would absolutely count Art. He was one of the founding employees of the bank. Um, he was there. Uh, for many years, he's. I, I looked this up again. Once again, I got some notes. He he, uh, he started at the Roselle Bank, State Bank, in 1937. And then he went to fight in World War II. He was in the uh, Army Air Force and uh, was in North Africa and Italy. Uh, and then he came back to Roselle, and then they recruited him to to help start the bank in Itasca. Uh, and there's a legacy piece to Art Benabase as we know. Yes, I'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, he, uh, Some foreshadowing. So he had various jo jobs in the bank, uh, as, a, as he would in a bank with four people, but he, eventually he became president in 1982 and uh, ret retired in... 80, in the 85. In 83, 83, 84, and 85, I think. Yeah. So he had I think that was key. Another person is Ed Lake, um, and Ed. Ed is the we one of as part of our celebration of the 75th anniversary. We've been looking for people who have been customers for all 75 years. We know there must be some. That we we. The one that we found so far was right under our noses. It's Ed Lake, <laughs> Ed Lake. who um, he uh, so he he grew up on a farm in Itasca and uh, came to the bank when he was uh, in high school. And uh, he had various jobs in operations and lending, uh, business development. He retired in, uh, when did he retire? Uh, he, retired, he retired from the board in 2012. Uh, he retired, I think from the, I don't have that. But anyways, so he, he had various, various um, capacities um, in basically business development. Because ultimately he was executive vice president when right. he retired. When he retired. So literally worked his way up through every yes. level of the bank, right? Wow. So he, yeah, another 50 plus years of service to the bank or in banking. Uh, in, in more recent times, um, we had uh, Art Benabase's son, John Benabase. Um, he started in 1978 with the bank. He had started, I think he was in a bank in Elmer's, yeah. York State Bank. York State Bank, York right. State Bank, before, before he came to our bank. Um, but he, he worked his way, th in, he was in the lending department, he was in the operations, he was in the marketing department and uh, business development, and currently he's our um, co community relations officer. And John is a big part of when the bank expanded into Roselle, correct? Yes. So um, 
that was about 12 years ago we, we opened a branch there, and, and John raised his hand and said, I'd like to be in Roselle and, and be a big part of Roselle, and he has been, so he's been there ever since. Uh, I had a couple more officers that we, we talked about. Um, Jack and I talked about this a little bit. Um, we had two people that came during the recession that really helped uh, 2008, 2009, mm -hmm. 2010 through 12. The bank, we're still here. We did, we did fine. It was painful. Um, don't want to go through that again. <laughs> right. But uh, um, a big part of our recovery from that was uh, bringing John Hunt, who's our chief lending officer, in. Uh, he really helped us get control of the loan portfolio and, and, and work through all the problems we had. We had years of problems to work through. And which, for those who don't know, lending is a main revenue driver for any bank. So that's a critical piece to being financially stable through a period of economy like that, right? Right. Oh, I thought it was the trust department. And, oh, and let's sorry. not slight the trust department, Jack. Absolutely. It's also it's it's also the quickest way to lose a bank <laughs> right. through credit quality. So um, so he had played a big role. And Robin Van Castle, who uh, is still. She's retired now from the bank, but she's still with the bank on the board. Uh, she was came as our CFO and, and really helped us upgrade our all of our financial analysis and interest rate risk uh, management, liquidity. It really started out as a liquidity crisis. She helped us through that, work through that, um, and then it became a credit issue, and we, we did a lot. And uh, the last person I think we should probably mention is... Um, Sam Book was our, one of our chief lender for about 30 years. Uh, he, I know he was a, f uh, I worked with him briefly when I started. Um, he was a Fed, Federal Reserve examiner um, and brought that experience to the bank and worked through the credit department. You worked with him, Jack? Yeah, for over 20 years, I believe. Um, yeah, Sam came uh, probably in the early to mid 70s. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what year, and I joined the bank in 77. Uh, Sam did a lot of uh, teaching me a lot about banking through that, about lending, because uh, I'd never had any lending experience. Uh, so um, I, I learned an awful lot from, from Sam. And then he retired um, and moved down to uh, Florida. And he's back in the area now. But uh, And at one point, his son worked at the bank also. So the, we have a lot of uh, multi-generational uh, families that have worked at the bank. Well, it, uh, I think illustrates how important the community of employees is to the success of the bank as we've moved along. You, you can't grow the way you've grown without a good team behind you. So uh, it's great to hear those stories and, and learn about those people. And in that question, um, I heard mentioned a couple times people being directors. Can you tell us all a little bit about what it means to be a director at a community bank? Um, what a director does uh, at really any bank, but a community bank uh, especially, is their eyes and ears towards the community and what's going on. The community is more than Itasca. The, we, I always of course. think of Itasca's uh, core community as Itasca, Wooddale, parts of Bensonville, Elk Grove, uh, Medina, Roselle, and uh, parts of Addison. Uh, so it's, it's much bigger than just, just Itasca. Um, but they, they oversee, oversee from the, the elevated view the uh, direction of the bank, uh, the, set the tone for quality and uh, direction that they're, that they're going. Um, they approve all, basically all loans that go over a certain amount uh, in this day and age, it's uh, over a million two uh, goes to the board for, for approval. So they're very involved in, in that process, not dealing with the customer, but uh, just approving the loan as the loan officer will present it. Uh, that number used to be lower as the bank was smaller, but as we've grown, um, it gets, um, <clears throat> that number continues to grow with it. Um, but it's, they're, a great referral source or a great eyes and ears as to what's going on in the community. Uh, they make sure we have the proper personnel and they're performing well and that the uh, long-term goals of the bank are, are good and, and 
strategic. And over the years, Jack, for the most part, have most of the directors been local community people from kind of the communities you just mentioned? Uh, almost exclusively? Yes, almost exclusively. Uh, that they've, they've been from that. Uh, there was a time when they were mostly from Itasca uh, in the early years, but it's expanded, expanded out. Great. So, Jack, you mentioned starting at the bank in 1977. Tell us a little bit about your journey through the bank from the time you started till the time you retired. Give us a little bit of a sense of um, maybe what you're most proud of, what was the most trying time you went through, things like that. What can you tell us about your time at the bank? Um, well, I started in 77. In 78, we opened the, uh, the trust department. Um, I ran the trust department... I literally did the books on one of those 16-column uh, wow. ledgers by hand, uh, and I had a, a secretary uh, who ran the land trust area, and mm -hmm. uh, we did did well those first few years. Um, the uh, in '83, I stepped down from running the trust department, um, and we brought in um, uh, I think it was Jules Myring. Mm -hmm. uh, at that point to uh, run the trust department and I became executive vice president and then in 85 uh, I became president when uh, Art retired um, and I was president until 2017 Yes. Uh, when Jim became president and I stepped up to CEO uh, for a few years, and then I retired from there. And uh, I can, oh, I think I became uh, chairman of the board in the late '90s, and I still continue to be chairman of the board. I don't have an office at the bank. Um, I but I see you there. I'm, I'm there. <laughs> Been there uh, about five times this week already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm there. Um, I do work by phone and by uh, uh, email. Um, but uh, I'm not I'm not there on any consistent basis other than for like the board meetings sure. on that. And I have kept a few of my um, uh, trust customers that I've worked with for 30, 40 years. Well, relationships uh, are important, relationships, particularly. In and the I don't want side. I don't want to give them up. They're in their uh, uh, 80s and 90s. Sure. And uh, I just enjoy uh, enjoy that type of type of work. Um, I, I think the thing I'm most proud of is we got through the big recession with liquidity crisis that started in 2008 uh, and went through two to, through 2012. Uh, as Jim said, it was a very tough time. Uh, I think over for us, and we only lost money one year. I think we lost 600,000 in one of those years, and we were profitable. Well, wow. uh, on the other, I, I believe during that recession there were 30 banks in Chicago that failed. Uh, and disappeared, um, but we were able to work our way through, and we still made loans through that whole process, and we were able to build and bring in new customers uh, through that. It was a very difficult time. Uh, Jim came to the bank uh, during that. No, uh, I came in 1999 or 90. He was he was there through it. I'm sorry, he was there through it. It's a long time ago. Yeah. I'm here to fact check. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Everything he said um, is true up to this point. <laughs> and, and, you know, we'd sit and have long discussions on how things are going and what do we got to do to be able to uh, continue. But we never lost our focus of always looking forward, uh, which allowed us to, uh, to grow and get more, more customers. Um, in the early 80s, uh, 83, 84, we went through pretty bad recession also. That was more manufacturing-led uh, uh, recession. And I remember standing up at a shareholders meeting and talking, and I said, well, the good news is your bank made more money than General Motors, Ford, and U.S. Steel. <laughs> the bad news is it was only about $250,000. <laughs> but we were profitable back then uh, on that. So those are the things I'm most proud of. Um, I, I am very very proud of so many of the employees and the officers that have been at the bank and to watch them develop and grow and uh, uh, give us that uh, long-term lifetime commitment to the bank. Uh, it's been, 
that's exciting for me to watch people that have uh, may not have gone to college, may have just had their high school education, and become uh, they've become senior vice presidents uh, at the bank through through the years. Um, and I'm also very proud of um, our our shareholders at the bank. And it's interesting; we only have about a little over 300 shareholders. And it's this probably is privately held stock. Privately held stock. It's probably 60, 70 core families. Um, and some of those shareholders are... Um, They're very much like a second, third generation. Second, third uh, generation. And we don't talk with them a lot because a lot of them have moved away. They're no longer in this area. But they'll, if we talk to them on the phone, I used to get those calls. Now Jim gets those calls. And you'll get, my grandfather told me never to sell that stock, and I'm not going to sell that stock. And it's just That's neat amazing. to see how they've stayed and they've been so loyal. Uh, to the bank uh, on that. And that's what we're built on. It's part of that community, that family sure. uh, atmosphere. Yeah. So, Jim, your story is a different story. You, you didn't grow up starting in our bank, correct? So you're Right. You no, so place. I think um, you started in 99, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just learned that's that. That's true. Yeah. We should fact uh, check I, that. I came for Y2K is what I did. But, that's uh, right. Just my, my banking career started, I, I had a summer internship. Luckily, we knew people at the Roselle State Bank. Um, so I spent a summer summer there working in uh, bookkeeping and customer service. Um, and I I was just a young kid, college kid, didn't know much about anything, spe specifically acting professionally. So I, I learned that everybody knew me when I walked in. And I'm like, if I ever go to the bank, I'm going to know what I'm doing. So went back to school, got my MBA, um, and came found a job at the Suburban Bank Group uh, in, out of Palatine, and I, I held various positions there. I was a management trainee, went to their holding company, ran operations at one of their banks, um, and then Harris Trust bought us. Um, so uh, I had various roles there, but I was doing the financial reporting for some of the community banks, and one of my banks happened to be the Harris Bank Roselle, so it was the same bank, so I worked there twice. Yeah. Um, wow. It was kind of interesting. And then uh, as things kept consolidating, I found my way to Itasca, and uh, I started in the finance area briefly, and then I took over the uh, IT area of the bank. Uh, that's one of the things, I don't know that's the biggest thing I did, but it was just kind of interesting. I brought uh, internet to the bank and email and online banking. All, all, all the things we take for granted now. All within a year, yeah, in, in wow. 2000. So that a lot a lot changed in 2000 when I came to the bank, so I, I think that was a big accomplishment. Um, uh, I later took over operations, um, and then slowly, one by one, as Jack and I worked on a kind of a succession for him, I took over more and more of the departments, HR, marketing, uh, loans. All, trust all of the departments. Um, so I became president. Jack and I shared the job. It was actually way more fun when Jack and I were sharing the you job. You guys had a job share? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. So, it was fun. Um, so, so that was good. And uh, so um, you asked you asked also what, 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 you, what, were, what, what challenges? What challenged you and, and what so, were you very proud of? I, I was just had a, uh, an officer review today and I was kind of telling the story. I was president and Jack retired and it was all good. Um, I was feeling my way through things and then the pandemic hit and I made decisions that I never thought I'd be making. We were all about quality service and customer service at the bank um, and immediately we were making decisions to shorten our hours, close the lobby, you know, restrict things that we always put the customer first. Sure. Appointment only and things like yeah, that. Yeah, and we, we, we always put the customer first, and all of a sudden I was having to put the employee's needs first. Um, it just was way counter to anything that I had ever done before or ever thought about running the bank. And, and ultimately, um, you know, that, that's worked out. But maybe it was the summer, but we were also remodeling the bank at the time, and I, I'm like, boy, if I can... If I and the management team can run the bank through this, we can do anything. So that's really when I got the confidence as president. To, there's going to be challenges along the way in the years since 
2020 have been challenging too, but um, you know, I, it's, it's it's more fun these days. Sure. Just because I would agree with you there. <laughs> I know. Well, no, it's more fun to be the president because I know how to do things, and I get to do fun things, fun things like this. It's mm -hmm. true. So. Okay, so I have to ask. There's a program at the bank that's been around for several years now, and when I started at the bank, it's one of the things that captured my attention, and it's a program we call the Women's Initiative. So can someone tell me how that started, how it got to where it is? Sure. The Women's Initiative, which has been going for 22 years now, um, we try to always try to think, how can we get niches into the marketplace? Um, we were very, as a, as a bank, one of our niches was, and have been for almost since the beginning, was multi-generational uh, manufacturing companies. Itasca had a lot of them, Bensonville, Addison, there were lots of them around. Sure. Their needs are different, and we always did very well meeting the needs of that type of a situation. Because the, the rules are just different then. You've got family in there, they're paid differently, uh, all kinds of things. Uh, so we were always looking for additional niches. And we had had success um, on a couple of seminars that we had done, uh, in-house seminars, where we were made them for women only. And we were talking as senior management, uh, why don't we start a program for, uh, for women and see what could happen from that? And that's where the idea kind of started. Um, uh, John Benavides worked closely with uh, George Morvis, who was a, a bank uh, PR uh, marketing firm, and we started um, putting the th uh, pieces into place. Uh, and then I threw, threw out the idea at one of our meetings, we're going to spend a quarter million dollars on this program the first year to make sure that it works. That's a significant That was investment. a huge amount of money uh, back then. And uh, I met some resistance on that. <laughs> but we did uh, pretty much spend that, and we got off uh, very well um, on that. Um, we hired, uh, well, she was uh, outside we, as a consultant at that time, Diane Middlebrooks, who ran some roundtables for us, uh, women business owners. Uh, we had two of them going uh, in the early years. I think we still have two going yep. uh, at, at this point. Uh, but it was a place where once uh, we made a place for women once a month to come in and talk with other women and go over ideas and thoughts and problems, uh, and that's gone gone very well. Then eventually Diane took over running the Women's Initiative program. Uh, we put on a lot of uh, programs. They were supposed to be designed for people who worked, some for people who didn't work, some for younger people, uh, some for older people, and we had a, a wide mix of of things. Some of those early speakers we had brought in, uh, it started with, um, with uh, uh, Terry Savage, who was sure. the financial guru on the news channels. Mm -hmm. uh, she was our first uh, big speaker uh, that came out. We had Bonnie, Bear, Bo Bonnie Blair, the Olympic skater. Uh, speed skater. Uh, we had Allison um, uh, uh, Levine, Levine. Uh, she was the first woman to lead a woman's expedition to climb oh, uh, sure. Mount yeah. Everest. Mm -hmm. uh, so we tried to get uh, interest. We had uh, uh, Kathy and Judy from the Kathy and Judy show on WGN, yep. uh, which actually brought, a, brought us about an extra thousand uh, members when they were wow. uh, involved. So we tried to make them interesting. Uh, Leslie Goddard has done a lot of historical uh, programs for us. Right now, we have about 3,400 members. There's no fees uh, to be members. There's no charges for the uh, programs that we that we put in. Uh, and there's probably, I'm, I'm just kind of guessing, but probably about 20 or 25 members of the women's roundtables for, for the women business owners. So it's gone over very well, and it's just become its own kind of entity, self-sustaining program, right? program. It's amazing. Well, it's, it's impressive the investment the bank put into that program, and it's clearly successful because it's still here 22 years later and going no less strong than it was 22 years ago, I would imagine, right? Yeah. Correct, correct. And it's for mem it was for customers and non-customers. Of course. There wasn't uh, 
it, you didn't have to be a customer to be a member. And that's another. We hope that they became a customer, course, but right. uh, that was not a requirement. But that's a part of the community bank model of giving back and investing in your communities, right? Offering those types of programs for the community at large to be a part of, right? So, you, yes. like you said, you don't have to be a customer. Certainly, we love that, but. You know, it, it is nice to make those kinds of offerings to the general public. So we talked a little bit earlier about the history of the bank as it relates to things happening in Roselle years ago. And you mentioned earlier, Jack, that 12 years ago we opened a second location. So why Roselle? So uh, at that point we needed deposits. And, and um, the best way to get deposits is to have within your market area, and our market area was pretty much saturated. More than the majority of households in Itasca banked with us already, sure. so we really had to branch out. We looked at Elk Grove, we looked at Wooddale, we looked at Addison, we looked uh, in Chamber, we looked all over the place is basically where we looked. <laughs> uh, but we, we got really close on a branch in Elk Grove, but ultimately uh, we found a developer in Roselle that was developing the corner of Irving and Roselle Road, and his idea was to make a statement, uh, a, a landmark for Roselle. And our idea was to send a message that, hey, we're the bank in town, we're, we're here to stay. So his vision and our vision matched up perfectly. So we uh, started building that uh, during the Great Recession. Which great timing. Was not great timing. But <laughs> we signed we, the contract right before it started. Yeah, we, just, <laughs> we, took our, we took our time to get through it, but uh, um, Less than 5% of our business at that point was from Roselle, yet we, our name was well known in Roselle. Sure. We had decided to stay local mm -hmm. in some of the communities right around us because at that point we're still unwilling to change our name. Um, uh, with that name has a lot of recognition. It doesn't play so well in uh, Midlothian or Correct. Uh, Gurney, but right. um, around here. So our branching efforts in the past or in the future probably will be in our, our immediate area. Sure. Big, uh, bigger fish in a small pond versus a small fish in a big pond kind of thought process. So we have a big year in 2023. What is the bank doing special for the anniversary year? So um, the we've created a, a, a committee that we've been working on it for almost a year on how to plan that and we really tried to include all of our stakeholders the uh, the employees the customers our communities and uh, our shareholders and so we've tried to come up with an idea that we can work with all of those and, and we've come up with the idea of uh, food insecurity in the communities and we've partnered with 12 I'm sorry five uh, food pantries in our area to support them, to help them grow, and to volunteer at them. Um, we, we, we're still putting it in place. As as we speak, we're putting the, the details together, but we're going to be volunteering hopefully four days a week at, at those five, not all of them at the same time, but um, at those, those five food pantries. Um, we hope to put in 75 days of volunteering. That's about 600 hours of volunteering. Uh, the plan as it is now, we can we can do better than that, but we'll see how it goes. We we have to be able to run the bank too. Um, this is true. <laughs> we have a, a big event on the 24th of this month in January, uh, which is the actual day of the, the you know where the safe deposit boxes went bank. to Bensonville mm -hmm. of, of the charter. Um, and so we have a big event, a breakfast. The employees are there, our directors, uh, the community officials, the food pantries. Um, I'm leaving some people out, but there's going to be a lot of people there. Hopefully some media. Yes, yes. Um, so, uh, and then during the year, we have, uh, we've, we've created a, a special wine. We have a, a very strong partnership with Linfred Winery in Roselle, and we've had them blend a special wine for us. We are updating the the book, which we have is the 60-year uh, history of the bank. It'll now be the 75-year uh, history of the bank. So we've, we're adding three chapters. We left off in 2008, and a There's whole a lot, lot of story started to be happening told. in 2008. <laughs> um, uh, we, we're going to have some events for our customers and for the business community. In the, in the summer, we're going to have kind of an alumni picnic lunch 
and invite all the uh, retired employees back to the That's bank. That's great. So uh, just trying to get everybody involved and have some fun and most importantly, demonstrate who we are and why we're there and, and be a part of the community and give back to the community. So I have a question I want to ask both of you, but in fairness to Jack, since you go first on all the questions, I'm going to make Jim go first this time okay. so you okay. have a little more time to think for once. <laughs> in your opinion, what do you see in the future of Itasca Bank & Trust? So uh, that's a good question. That's I, why I asked. Yeah, <laughs> I, see, uh, I see a very bright future for the bank. You know, I at various times through the years, I've worried about banks becoming uh, irrelevant in the market with technology and, and being disrupted. Um, I believe as long as we stick, stay true to who we are, uh, we, we support our community, we are fair and honest with our customers, fair and honest with our employees, um, there's always going to be a place for a bank like us. Uh, the, the, the consolidation in the banking industry is, is significant, um, but there's still a place for good community banks where if we don't grow too much, we'll, know, we'll still know all our customers. Uh, our customers will know us. We'll trust them. They'll trust us. And I think people want to do business that way. So I see a bright future. No pressure, Jack. What do you think? I think Jim said it very well. I, I, my vision is the same as, as his vision. And uh, there's always a need for good quality service. Everybody says they give it. But the proof is if you can and do give it. Well, I hope you're both right because I like my job. <laughs> so can we get a little bit lighthearted before we wrap up? I've got some... Uh, I thought I this was. <laughs> You've been lighthearted all along, right? <laughs> I thought this was a banking podcast. <laughs> so uh, there are some uh, little odds and ends that I'm curious to know about and I think would be interesting for um, our audience to hear about. So is it true there was a dumbwaiter in the bank building in Itasca at one point in time? He had a college degree. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Jack will be here all week. Yeah. Um, yes, we had a dumbwaiter. It was bef well, it was there when I first started. And it allowed the teller work to go upstairs to the bookkeeping area, and they would run the work up and down uh, in the dumbwaiter. And to the best of my knowledge, we've only had one employee <laughs> that got into the dumbwaiter and rode the dumbwaiter up. And scared the heck out of let the me, let people. Let me guess. In somebody, somebody from the trust department, probably. <laughs> no, it was before before then. But I believe it was a small person because it was uh, not a big, not a big dumb one, not huh? a big, uh, big one. But that uh, uh, got removed in one of the remodelings. Okay. So I also had heard at one point that the bank vault got stuck, and a hole had to be drilled to get into it. Is that a true story? That's true. I'll let Jack tell that story. Uh, I get all the old stories. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't know when these things happened. I, I'll, I just... I'll finish it off with what happened yesterday. Okay. Oh, <laughs> the, the, um, oh boy. Um, I don't even remember the year uh, on it, but the, yeah, periodically uh, clocks have their or, uh, vaults have their uh, manual clocks because they're on time locks, and every so many years you have to have it cleaned and debolted who did most of the banks, they came out and cleaned it. They put the lock back in, uh, and when we closed the vault door, it wasn't working. Uh oh And uh, the next morning, we tried to open it. We couldn't get it open. You wait an hour in case somebody put the wrong number of hours on there, nothing, nothing. Um, so it was determined because they had worked on the clock the day before that it was the clock was not working, so it would not release the vault. Um, we they had uh, they had to they had to cover the cost on this one, but they brought in a giant grill the drill that was probably that big around. Wow! It had to be big enough somebody could climb through, and they drilled from. I think it was early afternoon until about three in the morning. Uh, it took that long to, because you're going through concrete, rebars, Rebar. all kinds of, uh, of stuff. Um, we had uh, police protection. Uh, there were probably at least 10 people uh, down there while this was all going on. And it's a, it's a wet drill, so it was a very messy thing Boy, because they got to have the water to right. uh, cool it down. Mm -hmm. um, they finally got it open. 
uh, or put, got the hole. The hole. Uh, they had to push it into the into the vault, and we had to pick a spot where there weren't any vault boxes. Of course, and there was right. only a small area where we could do that. The the repairman he did it himself. He wouldn't let anybody else go in there. He climbed through the hole, dropped down to the floor, went over to the clock, clicked the thing, and it opened. Oh <laughs> it was that easy. <laughs> uh, but it, to drill through a vault wall is that's amazing. Quite a job. Okay, I'm curious what happened yesterday. <laughs> so you had stopped by our uh, my office, and Jack was there, and you confirmed that some of these things had actually mm-hmm. happened, so we didn't get here, and we're like, no, we don't <laughs> know what you're talking about. But the next morning I was at the printer, and I'm looking, I'm like, Oh my gosh! The guy's here. He's cleaning the clock on the vault. So I'm like, well, that's that's <laughs> really scary timing. to me. So I went over and talked to him, and he's like, you know, that happened to me when I was just starting in the business 30 years ago. Oh, wow! And he said it was horrible. <laughs> I and I, so I put the pressure on him. I didn't think about it this morning, but the vault opened this morning. <laughs> Thank God for small favors, right? Yeah, that's for sure. So I got one more, um, Jim. I had heard. Uh, from several people, a story that happened in the winter of 2007, as best we can remember this, that involved a gigantic snowstorm. And your involvement as the bank president, uh, your duties that day changed from what they normally were, correct? Yes. Uh, so w- what happened? So actually, Jack was Jack was there. So um, I don't know that I was president at the time, but I don't think it's I was. Probably not. 2011? 2007. Yeah. 2007. 2007. Yeah, absolutely not. No, yeah. okay. So, but anyway, so Jack and I both live in Itasca, very close to the bank. Um, so there's never, and I own cross-country skis, so there's never an excuse for me <laughs> not to get to the bank if it's snowing. Um, so we came in early. I, I knew I, I came in, I got up early, did my driveway, and I think I was there by 6 o'clock. And uh, the head of our operations area was there, and people started calling in one after another. So how long had it been snowing at this point? All night long or yeah. the start of the night before? Yes. Okay. It started, yeah, I, there was probably 12 inches by then, I think. Oh, at least, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was, um, and it was blowing pretty good. Um, so people started calling in and, and we're like, hang on, time out, we can't have everybody call in today. We still, still got to run a bank. We still have to open the bank. If in in Illinois, if you can't be closed two days in a row, and you have to have permission to close the bank, so you have to be open. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, as people were calling in, we're like, the people who live close and had key positions, um, not uh, we. We said, you know what? Time out. Jack's got his car. He's going to come pick you up. <laughs> and I had my car too, and uh, we both had all-wheel drive. And so we went around, and I know the people that I picked up, every one of them, our, our guard was got off the train, and he was coming down the train tr- tracks to Irving Park, and he, he just got st- – he, he's a big, strong guy, and he got stuck in the snow. I pulled Going down a hill. Yeah. Right. I, and I was just stopped in the middle of Irving Park, parked there waiting for him. So your car's in the middle of Irving Park Road. Yeah. There was no traffic. There was no traffic. There was nobody out. It was ridiculous <laughs> to be out and about. Um, so I, as the day went on, we, we I, I know I, I at least got three or four people and every one of them I ended up getting out of my car and pulling them out of the, out of the snow bank. Um, wow. So, and Jack picked up several people and then we, we had to take them all home at the end of the day. Of course. Um, but kind of the funniest thing was, I don't think we had a customer come in till after one o'clock. I was going to ask. So we were all there. Tellers are there. We got some pizza. Um, that's that's about it. But when the first customer came in, we all cheered the customer. <laughs> diehard employees and diehard customers. I love it. Yeah, that's so great. We, I, I learned a valuable lesson: who the most important people in the bank are. It's it's the operations center, where they process the daily work, the online sure. banking. All of that stuff has to be processed. We need those people there, and we need a couple people to help customers that, that find their way to the bank. Well, as we close up, do either of you have anything to say to our customers, our, our listening audience? Uh, any messages you want to impart before we close up? I, I would say to our customers and future customers, We'll continue to try to uphold the standards that you've become accustomed to, that uh, the service that you're used to, and we'll try to continue to always try to earn your trust. 
on that, and uh, uh, it's the best we can do. Yeah, I, I, I don't have anything, anything to add to that either. I'm that sorry. was the only unscripted yeah. question of the <laughs> right. day. You guys didn't know that one was coming. Um, I, I very much appreciate you being here, sharing your stories about the history of the bank. I think it's important for us to capture the essence of what our bank is and what we have been for 75 years and hopefully will be in the future. With that, I thank you for joining us and being part of our Itasca Bank and Trust Insights podcast. I leave you with a quote from Coretta Scott King. The greatness of a community is most accurately measured by the compassionate actions of its members. Thank you for watching. <laughs>